and welcome to the Partner Connection. This is Dell Technologies Partner Programs podcast, and I'm Cheryl Cook, and today I'm delighted to be speaking with Chuck Witten, who's our co-chief operating officer at Dell Technologies. Hi, Chuck. Thanks for joining. Cheryl, thanks for having me. I think you and I um, share something in common. We both live in Dallas, though we're not together today, so it's nice to connect again. I know. It's great to see a fellow Dallasite here. So welcome, and thanks for taking the time with us and joining our partners who'll be tuning in and listening to the podcast. And you've consulted with Dell and cheered for Dell on the sidelines, and now you've come in and you're wearing a jersey and you're a team member. So Tell us, how's your first six, eight months been? And since you have your Dell badge, even though we're remote, how it's going? Well, first, I'm thrilled to be on this team and wearing that jersey, Cheryl. So it's been, uh, look, it's been an energizing almost eight months now, you know, meeting with customers and partners and team members and obviously digging into what's really working right now and, of course, trying to ask what's not working and how do we make it better? And so that's probably the part of the job I enjoy the most, which is connecting with our team and our partners and discussing the next big opportunity. It's been an energizing journey for me the last six months. And you know, I think importantly, it's a really exciting time for me to join Dell. If I look at the last year, we had an absolutely incredible FY22. And in fact, The word I think we keep using internal was historic, the best in our company's history. We reached a milestone of $100 billion in revenue, actually technically $101.2 billion, up 17%. And a huge part of that success was our DT Global Partners who delivered $59 billion in orders revenue. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't thank each and every one of our partners for their support and commitment both last year and always. It's obviously an enormous achievement to grow a company of our size at 17%, and our partners were huge contributors to that. My favorite part of the Dell culture, Cheryl, is our sort of restless dissatisfaction and sort of asking what's next. And it's been a really exciting moment to reflect on our strategy particularly our strategy in a post spin off of VMware, and ask, what's next? We're in a really privileged strategic position as a company. We're leaving last year with incredible momentum. The future's really bright, but we've got a lot of choices to make about where we go next, and that's probably the most exciting part. I'll tell you, you know, I say oftentimes that timing is everything, and sometimes you just need really good timing. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think the company is so incredibly well positioned. Credit to Michael, yourself and leadership on getting the company well positioned. So when you think about what's next and kind of our restless dissatisfaction for keeping to grow, I mean, talk a little bit about these future growth drivers and how we're thinking about these next huge growth opportunities, which obviously represent an amazing opportunity for our partners as well. Well, sure. Look, whenever you want to talk strategy, you have to start with the trends that are shaping the environment. And it's hard to ignore the many technology megatrends that are accelerating digital transformation all around us. And if I could point to maybe two megatrends that stand above the rest, the first is data. So at Dell, we have long referred to the current era of technology as the data era. 
data is exploding. It's distributing across the technology landscape from the clouds to the core to the edge. And so there isn't an enterprise in the world that doesn't understand the importance of securing and extracting value from data. It is the fuel of a business these days. And a company's ability to make sense of it and take action is really the difference between competitive advantage and obsolescence as a company. And the second mega trend that's shaping particularly infrastructure is multi-cloud. My observation is that many companies have sort of landed at multi-cloud by happenstance. We like to say multi-cloud by default. You woke up and you had multiple public clouds and multiple on-premise clouds and edge clouds and sovereign clouds. But the truth is it's the right idea. It's not just a collection of public clouds or even those clouds connection to private clouds. It's about companies trying to access an ever-expanding set of innovations around clouds and across clouds and acknowledging that they need the capabilities from the entire ecosystem to deliver modern IT. And so in the data era with a multi-cloud backdrop, it is a really exciting time for us to be the leader in infrastructure. And so our strategy is really two-pronged, Cheryl. The first is there is still enormous room for us and our partners to grow in our traditional markets. As of a year ago, our traditional markets totaled about $670 billion in total addressable markets. So even as a $100 billion company, we have enormous headroom to grow. And these are markets where Dell is a leader. We're number one in client revenue. We're number one in x86 servers. We're number one in external storage. We're number one in data protection. We're number one in HCI. We're number one in displays. You look at those markets and you say, wow, we've got a lot we can still do to modernize those businesses and grow. But then there's new businesses set around the multi-cloud and in the data era, places like telco and edge and data management that give us even more headroom to grow. That's another $650 billion in market. And so we're really excited about our position, but the truth is we can't pursue all of those opportunities alone. No company in technology can solve problems like are created by the deluge of data or the multi-cloud unilaterally. And that's where it comes back to partnerships. We recognize that our strategy only works best when we're part of an ecosystem. And sometimes internally, we refer to it as our job is to build the technology ecosystem of the future. And clearly, our partners play a huge role in that ecosystem because when we work together, we have amazing potential to develop technology and deliver it to customers. And in order for us to succeed, we're going to have to continue to collaborate, innovate, and work with partners globally to go after those markets I described. Yeah, it's just phenomenal about where we find ourselves actually at the intersection of all these trends and mega trends, as you said, with the scale and the leadership position we enjoy as a company, which is truly remarkable. And I've heard you and Michael use terms like the trends in computing being centralized versus decentralized. And we're on a decentralized wave now, which is opening up this epic opportunity at the edge, right? As you just said, where data is really created and how it needs to be processed. Talk a little bit about how we're thinking about what the edge represents as an opportunity. And as you said, we can't go alone. We need to really work with this incredible ecosystem of partners and how the partners can take advantage of it. 
Yeah, it's an enormous market and it's a perfect example of the place you need partnerships to be successful. So you hit it, Cheryl. Look, I think there's a great argument that we've hit peak centralization of the data center. And the reality is that in order to deliver the real-time experiences that companies and governments and the world need to deliver, whether that's a smart city or a smart factory or a smart hospital or the retail customer experiences that we're going to increasingly see every day, you have to both deliver compute and process the data where data is created. You can't send it back to a cloud. And so that's what's causing the edge to just explode. According to Gartner, by 2024, 75% of enterprise data is going to be created and processed outside of central data centers. And so it's an enormous opportunity. And that data is everywhere. We like to call it the third premise. And it requires a lot of what we do today in compute and storage to make sense of it. As I said, the currency and digital transformation is being able to make sense of all that data. So currently we have almost 70% of the Fortune 100 companies already using Dell in some capacity for their edge. And we continue to invest in the places that we think most need help in making sense of the edge. That's places like manufacturing, retail, oil and gas, and telecom. But the reality of the edge is it is a very verticalized market, right? The solutions that we have to deliver to make a retail establishment work or a smart city or a factory are very different. And that's where our partners come in, particularly our OEM partners, who play a huge role in extending our capabilities to help customers capture value from the edge. And so, again, it is a world where we can only succeed in conjunction with partners in the ecosystem. So I think the edge is a great example of our strategy and how it's going to progress, Cheryl. And you said it lends itself to just vertical use cases, right? Because it's right at the heart of where the business is running, less about IT infrastructure per se. So I think you're so spot on that our partners really bring and possess a lot of that industry vertical expertise. And another one is Telco, right? You just talked about edge and certainly the network is what enables all of this. And with all the trends in 5G, talk a little bit about how we're thinking about what opportunity may exist for us in Telco and how together with our partners, that again is another way of candidly expanding the TAM for opportunity to be pursued. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, there's probably a couple of vectors of opportunity inside of Telco when you talk about it. Clearly, 5G is creating you know, massive opportunity for our communication service provider customers to deliver value to their customers. So they're thinking of all kinds of new revenue models and powerful innovations that take advantage of 5G to deliver for their customers. And for us and our partners, obviously, anytime you're driving transformation like that, it's an opportunity in our traditional business. But importantly, inside of Telco, the other opportunity for us has been, it has been a closed market in and around the network for many, many, many years. And as Telcos have logically said, the value in the future is us thinking about those new revenue models and those new business models for our customers. 
we need to start to adopt software defined and more open architectures to be able to deliver for our customers and frankly, divert investment from the traditional network to the business models that they need to succeed in the future. And so that's where ORAN comes in and where we're investing to be uniquely positioned in the ecosystem to help our CSPs deliver and ramp that transformation to open cloud native networks. And so as they cloudify their network architectures for 5G and deliver widespread connectivity, we're very well positioned. And again, this is a place where partnerships matter. It is a true ecosystem. And if you've looked at our announcements over the year, we've grown our open partner ecosystem with a whole series of new telecom solutions for the edge and the core. We have named many ecosystem partnerships that are required to win in this market, VMware, Wind River, IBM, Red Hat, Affirmed Networks, Mavenir, et cetera. And so it is a place that is seeing enormous growth and lots of innovation. And of course, our partners are key to bringing that to life. I think that's a really great example and an expression of where the strength and scale of a company like Dell Technologies can really go form these stronger ISV and very unique relationships that the broader partner ecosystem can benefit from, right? I mean, around just deployment, but open is a phenomenal word that you use, right? Because it's really about more software abstracting from the hardware. If we're going to go software defined, we've got at scale the compute, the storage, the capabilities to really just go expand that open approach, which again is all timing, right? It's phenomenal for where we're at. So when you talk about partner ecosystem, we know that we can't do it alone. And given the integrated approach with which we're taking, it's kind of a partner-centric go-to-market almost, right? It's the work we do with ISVs as well as deployment. Talk a little bit about growth opportunities. And I mentioned expanding the TAM. We're really reaching into areas that is outside traditional IT that a lot of our partners are going to be incredibly well-positioned to leverage and capitalize on. Talk a little bit about the growth opportunity. Yeah, it starts with the premise that, again, we can't do all of this ourselves. The markets I just described are roughly $1.3 trillion, and they span an incredibly diverse set of sectors and regions and capabilities. And technology works best when it's a cooperative enterprise, and that's the reality of the ecosystem that we're trying to build. And so it just starts with a strategic premise that while we are perfectly well positioned in this era of technology, whether it's in our end user computing business, or our infrastructure business, or in all these new markets I just described, we can't do it alone. And so we have to take a partnership mentality as a company. We have to continue to keep getting better as a partner, because as you said, whether it's vertical use cases or solutions that are best delivered in the last mile by partners, or relationships that our partners bring, it is a great time for us to sort of strengthen that partnership mentality because it's going to be so essential to our future. We've built this business to grow for the long term, both inside our core and in all of these new markets. And we've come to recognize that our partners and our channel are frankly among the most consistent and durable advantages of our business. And so they're an extension of the largest sales team in technology. They support our customers and deliver innovation alongside us. And so 
all of those markets I just described are joint opportunities for both of us. It's just phenomenal, actually. And we've all chatted and discussed about how the reality of the last couple of years during this pandemic, at least on a business horizon, has only accelerated these trends and accelerated the demand. And when you look at the complexity, the pace of change, and all that our customers are wrestling, they frankly need our partners. Our partners are so well positioned to help them navigate through that complexity and really bring that vertical use case. So let me switch gears a little bit with the context of what we've all navigated over the last 20 months, two years. And there's no question it's been unique, but you just said the company experienced historic performance in what arguably would be pretty unique circumstances when we're all working remotely. When you look back on a leadership level, what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about navigating and leading that you'll carry forward with you, right? Around the way you think about it, the way it's changed or the way it's impacted your overall leadership. Sure. One of the things I've always loved about Dell and As you said, I had a chance to work with Dell for over a decade as a partner at Bain before I joined officially as co-chief operating officer. One of the things I admire about it is that it sort of brings the best of a global scale organization, reach and resources, but keeps the sort of scrappy, innovative ethos that Michael, frankly, started with in his dorm room. And so I always like to describe the culture of Dell as being customer and partner centric. It's amazing what the organization will do when it's running at a customer or partner problem, but also kind and empathetic. And as I said, restless, always looking for the next thing. And so in terms of my leadership style, one of the things that I've really learned is working at a founder-led company is a privilege. And you can take a lot from Michael's leadership and our leadership principles as an organization, because I think Part of the reason I joined Dell was those leadership principles and cultures really spoke to me. You know, from my style, I think you've never needed empathy more than you've needed it in the last couple of years. And listening and being empathetic, walking in our customers' shoes or our partners' or team members' shoes is maybe the most critical skill any leader needs. From a stylistic standpoint, I really try to focus on listening and empowering teams. I think that teams are at their best when they're empowered to try new things and make things better, certainly with my help as they need, but trust and empowerment is big to me. And I think that's a really important reflection over the last 18 months is we've had to innovate and make new things and make them better faster and faster and faster. And it only works, I think, in cultures that sort of embrace risk-taking and the willingness to fail fast, but also sort of trust, empathy, and empowerment. So that's a little bit of what I've reflected on over the last 18 months. And I hope I hope those are timeless. I hope they don't go away as we move into this hopefully endemic stage of, of uh, the next few years. You used a few words. Obviously, the culture speaks to me as well. But I think when you look at a company of our size and scale, It's easy to think that we could go slow, but we call it the pace of Dell. (laughs) We do operate fast. And I think the only way you can unlock that 
is empowerment. So this notion of giving teams the permission and the space to take a risk, test, but fail fast and go, it's where you get innovation, creativity, it's where people feel valued. And candidly, it's what we have to do, right? I mean, to be able to keep it going. And I love hearing you echo and share the same words, because I do think when we all had to work remote, we all tested ourselves a little bit on how do we stay connected with our teams, but we had to let go a little bit and empower our teams to ultimately do the right thing and look at the results, right? The evidence is just phenomenal there. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's part and parcel of being part of a founder-led company. Again, I think that spirit of entrepreneurship and empowerment to go grow a business, right? And go solve a problem and go make things better. That comes from the top. And I think we all try to embody it as leaders in our own way and in our own functions, but it's a very powerful way to lead. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And you said it best when you said it's a privilege to work for a founder-led company. And he certainly does set the tone at the top. So one little fun curveball I like to throw to our guests as we've talked about the amazing opportunity for each of us and for our partners is share a fun fact about you that wouldn't be on your resume, your colleagues wouldn't know that you could share with us. <laughs> fun fact about Chuck. Fun fact. Well, how about this one? I would argue I am probably the world's worst cockapoo owner. So over the pandemic, like many people, we got a COVID puppy. Our puppy is named Waffles. I have two boys, 14 and 11 here in Dallas. And my wife and I thought, hey, what better to insert into our otherwise stable family unit than a puppy? And I say I'm the worst cockapoo owner because I think he's probably the world's worst behaved cockapoo uh, out there <laughs> of uh yeah, I, I would say across the board. So anyway, if partners have suggestions on training a uh, very spoiled and very lazy cockapoo puppy, I'd welcome the input because- Oh my God. So a cockapoo, is that a cocker spaniel and a poodle? That's what it is. And oh, uh, right. he's uh, he's about 19 pounds of furry destruction. So And a baby, a puppy, right? So Still a puppy, yeah. Energy. Somehow during the whole pandemic, I ended up with a grand pup. So ah. my, son's my son's dog is a rescue and I've turned her into a bit of a movie star. She's on all my Zoom calls. She's on Twitter. Somehow she adopted me and I adopted her. Uh, but she's a big black lab mix. And I must confess that in my nice white decorated home, a large black shedding dog would not have been probably what I chose, but <laughs> nonetheless, and she's here and she makes appearances on my calls all the time. <laughs> well, here, here, Cheryl, since you and I both live in Dallas, how about this? I'll commit to training waffles a lot better in the next year, and then we'll put a marker. Maybe we'll get our COVID dogs together and see what happens. Oh, it's a date at the dog park. There we, the there we go. Let go Absolutely. Well, Chuck, it's been a pleasure. I know our partners are going to be delighted hearing from you. Thank you for your leadership, your teamwork, your continued advocacy for our partners and joining the podcast today. I think it's been great. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me. And importantly, thanks to our entire partner community for all they do and their continued support. We couldn't do it without you.
Chuck, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. We certainly enjoyed having you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate it, give us your feedback, and join us in the next couple of weeks for our next episode of The Partner Connection. Until then, be safe and stay well. Bye.